Our uh, text is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 will be the text. And although we won't spend <clears throat> hardly any time in those verses this morning, uh, which is kind of a hint that you may be hearing it pretty soon down the road, uh, but nonetheless, uh, it the, kind of fits in with what I want to say this morning, but I've titled this message, God's Will for You in 2022. It rhymes does a little bit. Dr. Mark Hopper up there told me I should make it shooting straight in 22. Okay, you know that 22, shooting straight. But I was afraid we'd have ATF around here surrounding our buildings and all that, wondering what was getting together. But uh, nonetheless, <clears throat> that text is Colossians 3, 1 through 4, and I hope that you're there. And as we go along, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll get this voice cleared out. Uh, as we go along, I'll be hitting uh, some other scriptures, and probably it'd be good for you to write those down, okay? And I say to write them down, not only check what I'm saying, uh, preaching, because the Bible does tell us that you're more noble when you uh, check the scriptures to see if what they're preaching is true. That happened in Acts chapter 17. And guess who was preaching there? The Apostle Paul. And he said those at Berea were more uh, noble than those at Thessalonica if they searched the Scriptures to see if those things were so. So it's, it's important to do that. It, it really is. But also, those Scriptures are there to meditate on. And I find that a lot of times people will share something with me good from a Scripture I'll go back and start looking at that thing, and God even adds more to what they've already given. And I can't give you <clears throat> absolutely everything there is to give. God has so much more than I do. So let me encourage you just to get in the Scriptures there and study those if you would. Now in our text, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, we begin with, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth, on the right hand of God. And there's a reason for that. He's making intercession for us there. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth, on the earth. Now, don't consider yourself a good Christian just because you go to church and you read the Bible and you have some type of a prayer. If it's all about yourself instead of about the Lord in your life. See, it must be Lord. Your, your life must be guided by the Lord. If you're going to call yourself a good Christian, then let your life be led by the Lord, and He leads by His Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Now, verse 4, now 3 and 4 says, <clears throat> For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Just a real quick thing about glory, appearing with him. We as Christians are looking for something. We're looking for the rapture. But you know, at the rapture, there's one interesting thing I believe that happens right around that time afterwards. It's the first uh, thing that takes place after the rapture, I believe, is the judgment seat of Christ. 
and it's at the judgment seat of Christ, some will have confidence, receive reward. Others will count the loss, what God wanted to do, but they did not follow the will of God in their life. And so those, I believe, that as we return with Him in glory, yes, it will be in the glory of Christ, but there will be the glory since He's bringing His rewards with Him. And I just kind of believe that perhaps it might be that there is a brightness, a shining, there's a distinctiveness of like a army, and you see the different markings on their uniforms that shows you that one's a sergeant, one's a captain, one is a general. And I just wonder if that's the way it will be in coming back with Jesus Christ. And so that is just something, again, to meditate on. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, then we'll get into the message for today. Father, I pray now that as we look into your word, may the very Spirit of God teach it. Lord, I, I know of my lack of ability and capabilities, but you are all-powerful and you're all-capable. You're all-knowing. And so, Lord, we ask that this be a message in which I'm only the mouthpiece which speaks your words to your people today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This is a time of year that people start thinking and making New Year's resolutions. A, res a New Year's resolution is usually, uh, supposedly should we say, uh, they're promises that one makes to themselves, and yet it's not necessarily a promise as much as it is a goal. A hope. Last year my goal was to lose 10 pounds, and I still have 20 to go. Um, so, and what I'm saying is, is that um, we look at our, those resolutions as actually goals. A lot of people set out and get right after it, but after a few weeks, nah, okay, well, it's not happening as quickly as the way I want it to happen, and they abandon it. And so they, they go away from those goals. But on the other hand, promises to God, that's different. It's, it's, not more, it's more than just a promise and a goal. It's a promise that we will keep. We uh, make these New Year's resolutions and we'll say, Oh, well, no big deal. You didn't make it, so what? And, and, and that's kind of, we don't say it that way, but that's the way our, we end up doing it, okay? But a promise to God is different. He even says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, uh, only a fool, the fool that makes a promise to God, makes a vow, a vow is a promise. Uh, you know, I was hearing a preacher on radio one day say, vows are not for today. My first thought was, man, you must not ever got married. You know? Well, well, that's different. Oh, yeah, the vow to a wife or to a husband is much more important than the vow to God, isn't it? See, that is utter ignorance. Utter ignorance to say that. And it's a lack of biblical knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. But, it is more than just a hope or a goal 
It is that Christ is all in all. And that starts with the Word of God. So I want to speak here on the importance of the Word of God to a saved person. That is, if you're saved, it is important for you whether or not it's important to you. From God's side, it is of utmost importance for you. And it's very, 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 and I can't say that enough, very needful that you perceive what that means of the Word of God being provided for you. We not only need to know what the Word of God says, but we must read it and meditate on it day by day, but not just stop there. We must do it with a special, committed, sincere request to God that each time, and we pray this each time with that heart, each time we open the Scriptures, and read, ask the God that His Holy Spirit may teach it to us and help us to perceive truth that we have missed. Now, I've told this plenty of times, so I'll say it again, though. <laughs> we, got, we do have a few new ones. So, just for new ones, uh, uh, our first uh, daughter, well, it's the only daughter I guess we've got, but... Uh, was born in 1974, and that year I decided I needed to read the Bible through. And I, I'd had devotions. I mean, I, I usually had devotions, you know, but they were kind of the, okay, I'm going to read over in John today. I'm going to read over here in this book today. I'm, but to read it straight through that way was completely different for me. And the first time I ever read the Bible through was in 1974. Now, I can tell you that I've read it through at least once every year since then. There's a couple of times where I've read it through twice in a year, and, and other times where I read just the New Testament about three or four to go along with the Old Testament once or twice. So I just want you to know I've read the Bible through a lot. And right now I'm the biggest dummy in the church because every time I go through it, I, I find and I see something new. Now, I think I see something new, but the Lord shows me something new. You, you know what's happened to me in the past? I've had somebody that, here, I've been saved. I've been gone to Bible college. I've been in the Word of God for years, read and everything else. Somebody will just been saved for a year or two, or not even that, be saved for a month or two. And they're reading the Bible. They say, I read this, and, and they'll tell me what it means to them, and I'll look at it, and they're right, and I'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. Yeah, the Lord gave that to you. I didn't give that to me, you know, because he saw something through his walk with God that I had not seen. See, God gave us his spirit. When we got saved, you not only received forgiveness of sin, you received his Holy Spirit to come and indwell you. So ask that His Spirit may teach you and help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit each time you sit down to read the Word of God. And by the way, let me add this. Have a time scheduled that you read the Word. If you're scheduled in the mornings, get up at, say, 6 o'clock, and you've got to be to work by 7, so 
you, you get in there, you eat a quick breakfast and everything else, and then it's five minutes till seven. You say, well, I better read the Bible real quick and pray so I can be there by 710. Okay, that doesn't get it. Well, I'll read the little devotional books. And look, I'm not against devotional books. We put the days of praise out there. They're great. But if you just read that and the verses that they uh, have there for you to read with it, and then that's where you stop and you don't think on it, meditate on it, and, and you don't expand in the Word of God, then uh, you're not going to have the advantage of the growth that God wants you to have. You're not going to have the power in prayer that God wants you to have. That ought to be of utmost importance to every husband and wife, mother and father in this building and those listening t today by internet or, or, or radio. God wants power in your prayer. You don't go to church and give money and say, well, the preacher will pray for me and that'll take care of it. No. It does call for the elders and you confess your sins one to another. Usually that part's left out. But in reality, as a parent or as a spouse, and that one's in the hospital or something else is coming up, God didn't give that responsibility to the pastor or someone else in your church. He gave it to you as being that spouse or as being that parent. Make sure you have power with God. And you can't be unfaithful to his house. You can't be unfaithful in devotions. You cannot be unfaithful in serving him and expect power with God. And if someone's life depends on it, they may never know. But one day everybody knows in heaven. So I'm pointing that out just to show you the importance of all of this. So ask him to give you understanding of the word of God. And do it each time. You want to know him more intimately. You want to know God more intimately. He's a person. We know God because the Bible is the mind of God. He gave his mind out for us. And it helps us to know him through the word of God as his Holy Spirit teaches it to us. If you're going to know God well, I know him as my Lord and Savior. Well, sometimes you're just saying words. He may, you may be saved, but uh, he doesn't really have much of a lordship in your life. Yeah, he is Lord. That doesn't change. But you see, uh, there's parts of your life you're not willing to let go of for him. And that becomes the problem. So, what we need to understand about this is, let's get the mind of God on what He says about the Word of God, the Bible. Now, we're going to have, uh, in January, I'm going to be asking Brother Woodard, and I've already asked him, uh, I'm going to have Sunday nights assigned to him on different Sunday nights in uh, January and some other Sunday nights perhaps in February, where he is going to be on the King James Version of the Bible. He's going to tell you why we use it. And I've already heard it, and he's 100% right on it. That's why I asked him to do it for y'all, so that you get it and, and know it, and it'll be there, and then it'll also be on our website from that point forward so that it is available for you. But 
as we look at these references, first of all, I want you to put this down. Because again, the Bible is God's Word and it is there for us. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall thy word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Now that's God speaking. It shall not return unto me void. At the judgment seat of Christ where Christians appear, it'll prove whether or not you actually believe that statement. That His Word does not return unto Him void. Because not one word of God's truth will come back to Him void. There will be an accountability for each person. Now, it will prove really the depth of your Christianity. And so, it involves what you read, but how you meditate on what you read. You see, again, he says there, your ways are not my ways. Okay, his ways are much different than our ways. Okay, and that, uh, that comes from finding out as we read it. Uh, look, I believe the judgment seat of Christ will prove whether your opinions, your ideas, your manner of living was formed by the culture of the religious world or by the Word of God. You better be sure of which it is. He says, it shall accomplish all uh, shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing unto which I sent it. Okay, that's a sure promise from God. His word is going to accomplish what He intended to accomplish. And what you do with it will be made manifest in that day. If you're saved, it'll be, man be made manifest if you, what you did to it and with it. That is why it tells me the Lord has a purpose for this Word of God and preserving it. We still have the preserved Word of God this day, by the way. And we have, not one of it, bit of it has been lost. There are those who try to tell you that. And with the versions they're reading, I would admit their versions have lost it. But not the Word of God that we see that has been kept and translated for us into the King James from those right texts. In John chapter 12, verse 48, we see another uh, thing here from Jesus Christ. Jesus is speaking, and He says, He that rejecteth Me, and receiveth not My words, hath one that judgeth him. The Word. Uh-oh. He says, The Word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. By the Word of God itself. What it says about righteousness, truth, holiness, the will of God, living for Him, everything. We have it. 
So therefore, we have a personal responsibility. Do you know how many people have died for this book? You know that still in this modern day that we live in, this civilized day, that there are countries around this world where people are being put to death for it, and even in our own country, people have hissy fits and they want to throw folks in jail just because they read Scripture in the schoolhouse. That's what you call hating Almighty God with all your heart. And that's what it is. Now think of that. It's by this word he's going to judge at the last day. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I know I've read that many a times, but it's important to me whether it's to anybody else or not. It's important to me. All Scripture, Genesis 1-1 through Revelation chapter 22, to where it says, this closes the book of Revelation, and that's not the inspired part, but this is what it says in some Bibles, that at the last word, My friend, he says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration means it's God-breathed. As I'm talking to you, I'm breathing out. I can't talk to you, breathing in, breathing in, okay? I've got to be breathing out. That's why it means it's God-breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine. If God says it's profitable for doctrine, then we need to know doctrine. Doctrine is anything. Anything the Word of God teaches, that's doctrine. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In other words, making things right in your life. Correction. To instruct in righteousness what to do. Righteousness is obeying and doing what God tells you to do when He tells you to do it. And it's also keeping yourself pure, and holy before Him. And so, it lays out for us this one thing. If it's for that, then at the judgment seat of Christ, you and I have an accountability for what's in there. I mean, just think, early New Testament era, you know where they got these readings? They had to go to church to hear it. They didn't have copies of the Bible like you and I do. Do you think there's a greater responsibility on them than there is us? We have the Word of God copied, preserved. It wasn't even complete when we read Isaiah 55, when we read 1 John 12, 48, or as I just read, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. You see, we see what it has for Christians, especially Christians, in the New Testament particularly, that we have no excuse at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, Old Testament too. You say, well, you know, the Lord did away with the New Testament. That's not in the Bible. He's, the Bible says He did fulfill it, but it didn't say He did away with it. If you think He did away with it, go out and shoot somebody. Thou shalt not kill. Well, it doesn't apply anymore. The Lord did away with it. Go out and commit adultery and watch your wife kill you. Okay, so again, don't, don't say something like that. Well, that doesn't apply today. That is ignorant. And I love you too much. I don't want you to sound ignorant. Okay? Don't go that direction. Now, 
He says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works there. Again in 2 Timothy 3, verse 17. Furnished unto all good works. Knowing this word helps to furnish you to do right and do God's will God's way. That's what it does. Furnish you unto all good works. So hopefully you see the purpose is laid out. God wanted you to know the mind of God, the will of God for your life. This book is preserved for you and me, for every believer, for all mankind. That we would be not only saved from our sin, but have eternal life in heaven. And when we have that accountability at the judgment seat of Christ, we will know to have done right. Because the day we're raptured is a day, is a moment too late. In Mark 4.22, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither is there anything kept secret, but that it shall come abroad. What does that mean? At the judgment seat of Christ, those secret things, ah, nobody else in church knows about it. Everybody in your family and the church is going to know about it. See, you didn't make it right down here. You didn't get it clean. Well, I told God to forgive me. Yeah, but you didn't do what God did tell you to do is to make it right with those other people. Get those things, get those things confessed. Get those things uh, confessed to those people that you've wronged. Let them know. If not, then just think you've done something bad, but you hide it from everybody, then your children are going to find out, your spouse is going to find out, and all the church is going to find out. Now, getting things right is getting right with the person now, besides asking the Lord for forgiveness, but going to the person to ask them to forgive you. Tell them what happened. But if you don't do that, just know that it's going to come out in heaven, even though you're saved. It's under the blood, it's paid for. But 1 Corinthians 4 5 is very clear that the secret things, those hidden things of the heart, those Secret things of darkness are going to be known. And that's in a judgment passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. So I'm saying all that just say that here you see it. And so he's telling you. Uh, but look what he tells the preacher here. In 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 4, the very next chapter, verses 1 and 2. I charge thee therefore before God. Now this is to a preacher. And this is to any preacher. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. This is what a preacher is facing at the judgment seat of Christ. And what is it? Because he says, before God, this is the command I'm giving you. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm giving you the Holy Spirit really to carry this out. What is it? Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You know, I'm going to give an account as to whether I did that or not. Now, that's serious business to me. I don't know about you, but that's serious to me. I will give an account. 
And people may not like, well, he always reproves or he rebukes or he says all these things. Uh, yeah, but I'd rather you be mad at me than God. Really. Psalms 138.2. I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now, do you know that you can know the person of Christ, but he's magnified his word even above his name? At his name, one day every knee is going to bow of everything in heaven, everything on earth, everything under the earth. Every knee will bow and all, everyone will confess. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a name. At the name of Jesus they'll bow and do that. And yet, he says he's magnified his word above his name. Folks, the word of God is very important in your life and you have it. Read it. Meditate on it. Live it. He says, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And that's from 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 21, I believe that is. Yeah, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 and, and then on to verse 20. But again, he lays these things out for us. Let me show you another verse here. Psalms 12, 6 and 7. He says, there, uh, the words of the Lord are pure as silver tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. You know, that's written just about 2,000 years ago. This generation. That generation 2,000 years ago, those words written down, they're still preserved today. What does that tell you? God's word is forever. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy but to fulfill for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall pass from the law. So it is there, the word of God is there, it's preserved for us, and yet with its preservation. That's where you let your light shine because you look into the word of God. He says that he is the light. And so in following Jesus Christ, you follow that light, you live by that light, you live by his will, and that helps you to do right. But you're not going to know the will of God. You aren't going to understand what His will is for you. See, a lot of people come to a Christian college even say, now I've got to choose what God wants me to do. I think I'll do this. I think I'll do that. You're not choosing. You're saying, Lord, my choice was whatever your will is, I'll do it. It's not a choice. Well, I like this. I don't know if I like that. But hey, this sounds good. No, because that always appeals to your flesh. What does God want you to do? What does God want you to do? Hebrews 4 and verse 12, For the word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow 
and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, you can tell me, that's not what I was thinking. You can tell me, well, this is what I really intended. Oh, no, this is what I, no, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It already knows. And at the judgment seat of Christ, it's by this word of God he's telling us that he's going to judge those thoughts and intents. He said, well, I thought my sin was paid for on the cross. It was. But you know what? You still have those thoughts and intents in your heart. You still have those things there. And those things aren't made right. That's going to spell loss of reward and shame at his appearing. Saved so as by fire is the way the Bible likes to put it out or says it. So, he says, this last one, I want to share this last one before we close. It's in 1 Peter. I started on that and I just decided to change gears here for a moment. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. For we receive from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the, from the mount, from, from the well pleased Father. Okay, that voice that came to Jesus. He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John are there, and they hear the voice of the Father saying that of His Son. And he goes on, verse 18, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with Him in the Holy Mount. Now, we've heard that before. But you know, the next verse is the one that really, really just, wow, wakes me up. It says, what about this? We have a more sure word of prophecy. Wait a minute. He just saw Moses and Elijah who had been dead for some time. Moses had been dead for years and Elijah was caught up into heaven. But boy, all of a sudden, they're there with Jesus and the voice of the Father speaks out, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then it writes by the Holy Spirit directing him to write this. He says, we have a more sure word. How could anything be more sure than that? These God-breathed words. In other words, I can trust this Bible even above experience. If you're depending on experience for your Christian life, you're going to fall. It's not experience. It's obedience to the Word of God that makes the difference. So I've hit those verses. There are actually more to hit, but I'm not going to hit those right now. Instead, I'm going to just say this. First of all, the Word of God, our Sunday school teacher in our class did that, uh, Brother Woodard in about First uh, Peter 1, uh, really those last verses, 17 on through verse 25, really, they just keep taking you back to the Gospel. Verse 23 and verse 25 tell you by the Word of God. You know the way to be saved through the Word of God, the Bible. You know how to live through the Word of God, the Bible. You know what God expects of you through the Word of God, the Bible. Now, I want to say this first for salvation. 
salvation's not doing the best you can because then you're determining what's the best. You ever hear somebody, hear people saying, uh, God will weigh my good against my bad? Well, what their good is is not what God's good is. Doing the best you can. Well, I know I need to pray and ask the Lord to save me and I'll repent and I'll do it just try to do it a second before I die. My friend, you don't know the time that God's going to take you out of this earth. I'm not asking you, are you religious? I'm not asking you, did you get baptized? I'm not asking you, are you a church member? Did somebody say, say this prayer and you'd be all right and you, you prayed that prayer? No. Just like marriage, it's a commitment. Did you give your heart and life to Christ that day? Did you receive Him as your Lord and Savior, your God? And my friend, of everyone in this auditorium, if the rest of them were saved and you were not, you're the one in the greatest need right now because you have no promise of tomorrow. But on the other hand, as a Christian, I didn't even cover all the verses I had down here. I really didn't. I didn't cover all the verses. But what I'm saying is, is this. Even without covering all the verses, I believe I covered plenty of verses to see that it's what's in this Word of God as His Holy Spirit directs us and teaches us as we get into it that we know the will of God, we follow the will of God, we know how to live as a Christian. You ever hear somebody say, I can be just as close to God out here fishing as I can be at church. And that's probably true because they're not close to God at church either. If that's all it means to them is to have the Word of God preached and taught and so forth to them, that's all it means. No, they're not close to God at church. I mean, God is close, but they're not. And, you know, people say that just lying to themselves. They think that that's acceptable to us, but it's not. But what I'm saying is this, as a Christian, try to lay it out here. The Bible needs to be a part of your life every day. That's why... I shared this. Now, this is the whole Bible reading schedule on that one piece of paper. We're going to have plenty of copies out there by next Sunday. But what I'm saying is this right now. We've got it on the, we've got it on the website so you can get the whole thing if you want it. But read the Bible through. But make this a New Year's promise, not a resolution. Not to me. Make it to God. Lord, this year... I will read the Bible through. I will read the Bible through and I will meditate and think on it. Show me your will as I do it. Teach me your truth as I do it. If you'll make that commitment when we have our invitation here in just a moment, I want you to leave your seat and walk down here and make that promise to God. Whether you sit here on the front row or whether you bow down here at the front, Just make that promise to God. See, I can't go back and check on you, but God's with you every day. Make that promise to God. Is He worth it? (laughs) It's more worth it to you than you are to Him. But you're very worth it to Him that He'd give His only begotten Son to die for you. If you're not sure you're saved, though, if you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home and would give this invitation, leave your seat and walk down and meet me here at the front, won't you? 
and I'll direct you to someone trained in the Word of God, and they'll open the Bible and show you how you can be saved. We can't do that if you don't come. Let's bow our heads.